good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great to be with you. How the hell is everybody on a Balls McWednesday? I'm Jeff, that's Tom, there's Director Matthew. Gang's all here. Glad to have you on board. On Twitter, it's at Show. All right. All right. And away we go. Everybody all right? All right? We got, a, we got a camera problem over there? Cohort's not on screen. Yeah, we have entered those days. Those days, everybody. Yeah, it's uh, time for you to take a vacation. I don't mean you, Tom. I know you're going to, but uh, I mean all of you. And I don't mean from us necessarily, but you can because there'll be a couple days where we're not here. <laughs> so that's just the way it's going to work. When you approach the All-Star game, you know, oh, yeah, it's that low, slow time of the year where you just got to sit back and think about how godforsaken hot it is and there's nothing happening. That's kind of that's like universal this time of year. If you're if you're in the South, if you're in Texas, you're so God dog it. This is ridiculous. I forgot how ridiculous it gets around here. Go on get. It's yeah. that season. <laughs> it's that it's season. It's time to go on get. Man, it's like I just mowed you yesterday. Why are there weeds? What is happening? This is nuts. So that was me. Uh over the weekend and again yesterday. I was like, ah, just this it's too much. 110 heat index. Who could talk about sports in this in this climate? It's awful. And 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 it's like broken record time too because you get into a lot of the discussions are always about something you've already discussed or it's a projection or a you know some sort of well, I mean just think about this for a second, you know, and it's eh. well, here's a question you haven't answered yet. What do you think about our linebackers? <laughs> Oh, man. I think they better stay healthy, and they're not very good even if they do. There you oh, go. Yeah. Let's discuss. <laughs> You've never heard me say that before. Uh, we may not need them. Seems like modern football, you may not need a linebacker. It's crazy. Just have you know three or four down linemen and a bunch of defensive backs, a bunch of hybrids just sprinting around the place. And, you know, the only problem with that, by the way, and I'm, not, I'm only half kidding, but the only problem with that is you – it's hard to find dudes 190 pounds running four four forties that also come up and tackle somebody in the run game, especially if that somebody in the run game is you know Trey Benson size. Uh, about 205. You know? Yeah, no, no, no. The tweeners are all over the place these days. It's true. Trey Benson size indeed. Today they met with the media, Jordan Travis and Trey Benson, and uh, I believe the number he threw out there. He currently weighs 226. Yeah, man, he looks like he weighs 226. Oh I thought God. last year when he was weighing 216, 217, I was like, no, you no, you don't. You don't you don't weigh 216. I stood next to him when we were talking. Now listen, he's put together differently. I'm 52 years old. So but I, I weigh 225-ish, like right in there. No, you'd be very good at the carnival game of how much do you weigh. Right. You're, like, you're, you're yeah. good at that. Well, and I'm looking at him, and he's obviously a lot. Thicker and bigger than me. Now, he, again, muscular. He's a lot more muscular. But we're standing next to each other, and, and, and he's listed at 215. I'm like, come on, man. My man ain't 215. That dude is huge. Uh, and he runs like the wind blows. He's a weapon. He's a monster. It's yeah. uh, that's. I'm really, really looking forward to watching him run this year because I'm gonna. That's gonna be their default. They're gonna run the football. Yeah, that's what they want to do. It's they're about being physical, and then what that I does. I love that man. Is open up well, and they I just can, love it. They could be more physical this year. You've got an offensive line equipped to be more mean, and that's great because we haven't had one yet 
with this coaching staff. You've had a couple of guys on an offensive line that have maybe a bit of a mean streak, but you haven't had the size and the athleticism combined to impose your will. Now, Trey did say that he wants to get back down to 220. 226 is a little much. Well, because he wants to keep his speed up. His speed ain't going anywhere. He carried all that last year. It's crazy. I, I... He's amazing. Uh, I think he he ends up, you know, in the NFL at 225, 230. He's just a he's he's a, a menacing figure when he catches the corner. We've had the great privilege of being at practice when he catches the edge. And, you know, the guy in the history of this program, the guy that wowed me in a way that almost startled me a couple times, uh, was Carlos Williams. Carlos Williams did something that not Dalvin Cook, not anybody, for his sheer size and speed combo uh, that I'd never seen done. Uh, he's see the kick return in the national championship game as he catches, you know, I mean, Whitfield. It's nuts. There's a, oh, well, I have to. Whitfield. There it is. Yeah. But, the obligatory. Uh, the garbage time second half 2013 Miami game. Oh, yeah. The foot in the ground jump cut. You it's and a, I standing next to each other. It's a jump cut. It's dumb. It is crazy. That's a weird subject matter. I'll tell you this right now. Carlos Williams should have had a 12-year career in the league. He went in. He made an impact right away. Immediately. He was a massive uh, figure in the backfield, and he just ate himself out of the league. And look, man, I don't know that he loved football. I'm, I'm not putting words in his mouth. I don't know. He just seemed indifferent about it. But, boy, was he crazy athletic for that size. I mean, we all think about Dalvin Cook catching the corner because he's a blur, and he did the dead leg and set you up and understood angles better, and he had incredible vision and all those things. But in terms of sheer size, mass speed, Carlos Williams was the best thing I ever saw catch the corner at a practice. I know, or some, in a game, for that matter. I know sometimes inside football, the, the industry, people wince at this, but he very much was the ATH in the video game. You know, it's like, what home can you find for Carlos? Because he played linebacker for us when we won the 2012 Conference Championship. Yeah, he yeah. He played linebacker yeah. at that point. Yeah, well, he had played safety. He had, he had played, played safety linebacker. He played running back. Yeah, they were moving him every which way. He was an yeah. athlete, a freak athlete. Yep, just a true athlete with incredible 0-60 to 60 for the size that he was, which was massive. Just it, a huge guy. <laughs> it really was startling. Like, he doesn't come up right away because you're everybody's going to talk about the superstars of that team and what those guys went on. I mean, you had a Kelvin Benjamin on that team. I mean, it's it's silly. It's silly. I just, every time you say that name, I think about being on the sideline 10 years ago now. Time flies, unfortunately. But how high Kelvin Benjamin went to go secure that touchdown after the turnover, first drive, basically. Against Clemson, yeah. Instantly, you know, what, what KB did. And I'm standing there, and his... His thigh and hip are over my forehead in terms of height. It is just the dumbest things that he could do in terms of getting off the ground. Yeah. But for Carlos, it was when he put his foot in the ground, everybody just went, ooh, it, you have to catch your breath. It is absurd because you think of the danger of somebody moving at that speed at that size. I if remember, it was coming right at you, what you would, the decision you'd have to make. Well, I, uh, there's, there have been a few guys in this program. It's kind of fun. We we're, I didn't plan on this at all, but we're having a fun conversation. It's the time of year to have fun conversations. Uh, there have been guys where I thought, this is why you have to change the rules on kickoffs. You're going to get somebody killed. Like, this is why, I mean, yeah. Nigel Bradham, yep. I remember thinking, is going to kill somebody on a kickoff. And, and Carlos, same thing. Like, that dude running full speed, you've got problems. If 255 running 4-4 is coming your way, yet that's not normal. That was the first part of his career. He was the wedge buster. Yes. And that was unfair. And he was a true freshman at that time. Well, and we had a mutual friend who was also um, uh, a weapon. And, you know, Ernie Sims did things to people where you're like, oh, okay, I don't. And I, you know, 
we all, anybody who's ever played, you take pride in your toughness and your willingness to stick your head in there and hit somebody. And I like to hit, and I enjoyed the physical aspects of football. I think most people who hit hard and love the game, um, you know, that's a point of pride. You know, like you, 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 you kind of puff up a little bit knowing that you're you're a hitter. But there were people that were transcendent hitters that were different. And Lawrence Timmons was a guy like that where if you asked players, if you asked players, who do you not F with? So in practice, we know, in practice you'll watch guys in drills, you'll watch guys in 7-on-7s, seven seven, you'll watch guys in full team getting after it, right? And so every now and then somebody hits somebody in such a way and everybody yells and jumps and it's a big deal. Well, the guy who gets hit like that usually has an answer for it in the next rep or two or gets right up to let him know they're okay and pushes back and challenges a little bit. That, like, hey, man, it's football. I'm all right. I'm all right. You can hit me. But then there are guys who take exception to that and you and they dudes just walk away. They just walk away. They don't want to agitate the monster. They don't want to bring about the pain. And I remember players telling me Lawrence Timmons was that way at linebacker. Like, no, you don't get up talking. Don't say anything to him. Don't act like that was all. Just get up, jog out your ass back to the huddle. You don't need to say anything. This is not what you want to do. That's just a, I love guys like that. I'm wondering, you know, we don't have that at linebacker here. No. And, and we haven't had it in a while. Not to make you more mad about the linebacker position, but when you talk about tandems of guys that could really lay it down and you would feel it in the 50th row at Doak, they're probably, you're talking Buster Davis and Lawrence Timmons. Oh, I love Buster Davis, man. That dude is an underrated joker now. But um, that's probably ex- the most... The most recent example is Nigel and Telvin together, maybe. They didn't play a whole lot together no. as Telvin's career went. I mean, when you're talking about one-two tandems and recency, Buster Davis-Lawrence Timmons are maybe among the most recent tandems that we've had that are fearsome at that position. Yeah. We, That's when I was in college. Yeah, and well, those those weren't great teams. No. But the linebacking no, they were was, they I mean, would come up and hit you. Yeah, yeah what yeah. I'm saying is, yeah, I mean, Telvin I Nigel, was... Telvin Terrence Smith. I mean, where are we going here to find a tandem that you go, bring your lunch, man, because you're about to get it served to you. Buster was always cool because he's had that low center of gravity and he was so thick, and you know, you're just like, ooh, I, I don't want any that part Percy of that. Percy Harvin hit no six. Yeah. Oh my god. But if you're five eleven out here at two forty, running, you know, four six four five, that's a problem. I mean, it's it that kind of player doesn't really exist right now. But the thing with Buster, I always felt like he got overlooked because he had the situation where he left the team briefly and was homesick and didn't want to be here. And they, It's amazing. I'm glad social media wasn't really a thing the way that it is now or Twitter really wasn't a thing the way that it is now because he was allowed to kind of find himself and come back. Um, you know, he kind of figured it out, what he stood to lose. Coaches gave him a little bit of breathing room. Because there wasn't so much noise in the system, as they say. It wasn't like somebody on a board calling out somebody that day for leaving practice or leaving town, followed by amplified concerns and discussions, which followed by, you know, comment after comment after comment. And then at some point, the coach feeling some sort of pressure to act now. Instead, it was allowed to breathe a little bit, and they were allowed to kind of work that thing through. And it's always great that it worked out because he came back, and now you know he loves Florida State. He's in the Atlanta area, I believe, and I know he's always pimping for Florida State. So, eh, different time. 2006, your top three linebackers in terms of tackles and production were Buster Davis, who had 109 tackles that led the team. Five sacks to go along with that. Lawrence Timmons had five sacks as well, but your third linebacker was Geno Hayes. 
mean, those are brighter rest days. In rest, rest in peace, Gino Hayes. But those were brighter days for the linebacking core. I mean, you've got to go back that far to think about a two or a three deep. I get it. 12 and 13, it's there as well. Yeah, yeah. But it dropped off immediately after that championship season. Terrence Smith was a nice player, but he was hurt most of that season. Mm. And you don't have a whole lot since then that you say, boy, that is a Florida State linebacker. Just doesn't happen. Yeah, and we, I'm still waiting. And, and it's, it's frustrating to know in. I, I'm really hoping uh, that, you know, obviously with a clean, like if a clean slate in front of you, you got all the time in the world to diagnose and run around when you got a defensive line like this one this year. So those two should be much better. I'm talking about, obviously, Tatum Bethune and Kalen Deloach. Uh, Deloach, to me, I, I don't want to put this in the wrong category. Deloach, to me, is, again, and I say this every time, he can be good. I mean, he has played the position in a way that I'm drawn to. Think back a couple of years, that BC game on the road, where he made a gazillion tackles, including one where he's being blocked and he one-arms the guy over by the sideline inside yep. the 10. Yep. Like that, he played the position – the, the way you want it played, taking on blocks, not running around blocks, understanding, coming up, hitting people, playing physical. And then, you know, it kind of went away. He was dealing with injuries. And then he shot out of a cannon to start last year. And then halfway through the season, that's not there. None of that speed is there. None of the playmaking is there. You know, I'm figuring he's playing through injury again. And then the same thing uh, with Tatum Bethune, who starts the year well, but then I think he quickly went downhill due to injury. And did not want to hang in there, even though, and I'm not calling him soft. I mean, if you're hurt, you're hurt, especially if you have a bad shoulder. Well, that's a problem to deal with blockers. And, and our defensive got, line wasn't good. Yeah, you got a guard on you immediately after every snap. There's a fatigue that comes with that, both mentally and physically. Right, right. And there's no question. And I think that affected him. But the bottom line is at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's not a personal attack that I'm making here. I'm just assessing linebacker play has not been good. And at some point, when you're talking about the difference between winning and losing against great teams, when you're trying to compete for championships, all of these different things have to be – your ducks have to be in a row. You got, you'll get exploited. People exploit them in, pa, uh, in, in the past game all the time. All the time. They isolate those matchups. What's a good offensive coach going to do? He's going to find a one-on-one matchup with a guy that can't win that matchup meaning the defender can't win that matchup. And we've had some guys that really don't cover all that well. And if I'm a coach, I'm like, well, am I going to attack this defensive line? Am I going to deal with the monsters in the middle that they are rotating? Am I going to deal with Jerry, Jared Verson on the edge or Peyton? No. You know what? I'm going to attack them in the secondary because they're a little unsure, and then I'm going to exploit these linebackers in coverage in the middle of the field. Yeah, I think Omar Graham has a chance. I think DeMarco Ward has a chance. Can't wait to see Nicholson. It, it's, they're not devoid here. And these two of those guys, the first two I mentioned, are very early in their careers. So yeah. we'll see how the development yeah. goes. But they don't have nothing anymore. You've got two starters that you like, one that you maybe could fall in love with in Deloach if he looks, you know, the potential is realized. It's a dirty word, potential. But if it is realized, you could fall in love with Kalen Deloach and he could be a game-breaker for you real fast, especially with that defensive front. You talk about a guy being featured. If that defensive front dominates and Kalen Deloach is shot out of a cannon, that dude's going to be a tackle for loss machine. And that'll this year. be fun to watch because he, when he was doing that early last year, you're like, oh, that's a blur. And you remember, I mean, we were very fortunate the Super Bowl season in Tampa Bay. Yep. Now, you, you end up having a guy who has that season. And then that may be all he ever does. I mean, that season was magical. But watching a dude go sideline to sideline and all that stuff in the flats which because of the Bucks' defensive line, he was free to get to. Uh, you know, White was just like, every time you looked up, you went, oh, my God, look at that poor bastard. The guy would barely catch it in his hip and turn, yeah. boom! Yeah. 
It was glorious. Like, can't do that. Can't do that. Now, I'm not saying either of these two are that, but I do think Deloach has a lot of speed. Yeah, and and Bethune can be a thumper on first and second down. I also want to see, you know, this is where the fun part of the defensive conversation comes in. We discussed in kind of a, a backwards way Braden Fisk, how he could be flexed to outside Locked on first and yeah, second down to set yeah. the edge. Yeah, 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 Same yeah. thing with Dennis Briggs. There's versatility with those two players, unlike many others, where they could play over the ball three, or they could play outside and set the edge. Like that's this, These are all possibilities. But then also, when you talk about the back end and what Adam Fuller wants to do, if Shaheem Brown is an enforcer, then do you really have to have two linebackers out there, first, second, and third down? Probably not. And if that's the case, then who do you put out there? What does it look like? It's just the different permutations this year for Adam Fuller. We talk about it on offense all the time. Pick your poison when we line up on offense because there's just there are weapons everywhere. On defense, even though they aren't household names and not they don't have the star potential of a Jordan Travis or a Trey Benson or a Johnny Wilson, you have multiplicity. You have Swiss Army Knife players, and therefore you have options, especially when you can set the tone up front with that front four. I want to see what Adam Fuller does. Do we look more multiple this year? Because he could do it. Well, I hope so. I hope we can do some things we haven't been able to do. Be more multiple, less predictable, and play zone efficiently. That would be great. That would be three things we haven't done. That would be really, really cool, and that's a step forward, and that means you're that much better, and there are only a couple teams that on this schedule that could exploit you either way. So you ought to be able to experiment some in certain games when you're up by 24 and get guys used to playing things they haven't had to play before in a game. You know, I mean, they've practiced a lot of things, but they haven't always brought it to the field on Saturdays. Yeah, the one thing that I thought improved immensely last year, even though they were banged up, was the communication at the linebacker level like it had been so poor oh, that, you, know, you couldn't yeah, get yeah. lined up you wouldn't have a well you'd have they weren't coordinated as you recall me saying repeatedly correct but i don't know that the football iq was through the roof either of the player on the field so you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place you do have a veteran presence in akeem dennett's safety if you're talking about checks and getting guys where they need to be alignment wise but then last year the communication was worlds better with Bethune oh, and there's nothing worse. Together. Yeah, you and I can't stand when we're watching a game together or even apart and just texting each other like, look, here they are, last second, screaming at the sideline. Nobody yep. knows where the yep. hell they're supposed to be. That's the worst because that should never ha- – well, very seldomly happen. You know, that should very rarely happen. It does happen to everybody every now and again for a variety of reasons, but it shouldn't be a thing you see every Saturday where you look up and you're like, again with this? Again with this. It's the first quarter. They don't know the play. They don't know the play. We're still waiting. We're still waiting. We're, yeah. still waiting. Yeah. We're on our heels. We can't attack like that if you're reacting. You can't. Uh, segue here in a second. A couple NFL items, including some players going to get suspended for gambling. Dumbasses. That's unbelievable. Jeff Cameron, show PR firm to the rescue, perhaps. 2 to nothing. Braves leading Minnesota in the fourth update. You there. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply hello there podcasters oh don't worry i won't prattle on for two minutes like i do with some of the other reads zaxby's doesn't demand it of me <laughs> 
Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips? We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a beer giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just uh-huh. make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so, peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. Thanks to all of you listening out and about. Met a nice gentleman the other day working uh, for uh, UPS. Came in, dropped off some food for me, Tom, that I had delivered. And he was an avid listener and t- said to tell you hello. Well, hello, good sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't catch his name. Felt bad about that. And then get this. I hope you have a whoop-ass fan in your UPS truck Oh, right buddy, now, man. buddy. Yeah, that's a toughie. And then um, one of our friends at a, a longtime sponsor of the show and great collaborator on the show in terms of advertising and our working relationship, uh, Barano Heating and Air Conditioning, one of their employees came out and gave me a new filter. Need a new filter for the big garage unit, Tom. And the guy came out, and he, too, was an avid listener every day as he's running around doing, man, everybody needs their air conditioning now. So... Uh, that was that's what he was doing, sweating if, his ass off, listening to the JCS, though. Man, if you don't have it now, that's dangerous, legit. So if you need servicing, call Barano right Get now. after it. Get after it. 580-4029. You still Boom. remember from all the times at the other station where we needed him out at them out at the uh, tower with the wasps and the weeds and the snakes. And the coyotes. And the coyotes and the 105-degree temperatures. And the, hey, Matthew, get in your car and run your ass out there to the sun. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, <laughs> we got to, we got to get this fixed. Yeah, well, there was about six years of it where it was, hey Tom. No, oh, I, no, 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 yeah. no, I know. Yeah, this is how it works. Everything goes. This is a downhill. buck, and I am passing it. <laughs> yeah, the buck goes this way. It's the way that works. Yeah, just like I passed programming to uh, Matt Millar back in the day when we had to set the uh, whatever you call it, put in the spots, and I was like, nope, nope, that's no, gonna be Matthew. I'm not doing that. You sure you don't want to? No, I'm good, good. I'm the talk show host. You guys you guys put in the, the commercials. It'll be all right. I'll talk about it, but you guys put them in. Uh, did I notice whether or not or when Trey Benson's eyes lit up when he was asked about Destin Hill? Young Bleak writes that in the chat. Makes me think he's going to be special this year. You know, I've had this weird feeling. I've brought it up a lot. I've brought it up a lot about him. We'll pull it up for the uh, War Chant TV audience. So if you're in the it. car, what are you waiting for? I put out the tweet today, which I, I ISO cam Trey. There's no audio on it. It's just the look when Destin Hill's name comes up. It tells you the truth about what's been going on, about potential too. Because guys, they're all different shades of supreme athletes, especially the way that Florida State now looks compared to three or four years yeah. ago. But even amongst that crew, we just talked about Carlos Williams. There were dudes that were contemporaries of Carlos Williams on defense or on offense, and when that name was brought up, they go, whew, that guy's different, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know how quickly he's football ready. It's been two years, but it does seem like there are a lot of people very excited about his presence, so I get excited to hear that and see that. Oh, there it is. Let's see it again. Oh, hey now. I like it. Well... Let's be honest. So for those in the radio audience, 
or later on. It's a happier version of the, the Alonzo Morning animation. Is. Yeah, he gets asked about Destin Hill and his eyes light. He's like, oh, oh, we're talking about somebody now. Game recognizes game. I'll tell you, the quickest way, and, and you know what the reaction to that is, that's speed. That's speed. What he saw wowed him in terms of speed. They're all big, strong kids. They're all, they've been around other big, strong kids. Benson's been here now for well over a year. He's seen a lot of big, strong dudes, and this team's gotten uh, a lot more of them in. So for him to react that way so soon to Destin Hill, not having seen him in pads, not seen him, seen him play and practice yet, then that means they were out running and working out, and he went, oh, that's different. That's a different kind of twitch. That's a different kind of explosiveness. This is why we waited on him, Trey. Yeah. That's what the coaches would say. Well, and we asked that question probably six months into not knowing where the hell the dude was, and every day we're asked about it. Was he Lene Kakua? Was yeah. this ever a thing? Yeah, we were laughing. We were kind of like, well, and then hence he got named the unicorn, and we continued to wait and continued to wait, and then they continued to wait and continued to wait, and then we kept hearing, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You just got to wait, got to wait. It's a family issue. I went, all right, all right. It gets dicey. You don't know what to do. And then we finally said, why would they wait? There are a lot of other good football players out there why would they wait and the hope was that the answer was Trey Benson's response to the question what do you think about Dustin Hill <laughs> that the answer was "Ooh, Ooh that's different uh, that is that is fast we got asked yesterday on Seminole headlines and Corey and I were talking about this and I I kind of hinted that it was possible when we were trying to get a yes out of him but the question was, what if Keon Coleman's our best wide receiver next year? And you think about the possibility of what that does with Johnny Wilson not even being your best receiver. And I thought, it's entirely possible. He was at a crap offense with a sorry quarterback, and he's young, and he put up the numbers he did a year ago. It's entirely possible in this offense he will be your best receiver. Yeah, it's possible. In fact, we just recorded before the show today the uh, number 10 through number 6 in the top 40 video. Keon Coleman, spoiler alert, will be amongst that section, uh, which is really high praise for somebody who hasn't taken a snap in, the, mm -hmm. in this offense mm -hmm. yet. Uh, but the hard part for me before the season starts is it's almost like the defensive line conversation. Josh Farmer may well have more tackles for loss than Fabian Lovett by the end of the year. Does that mean that Josh Farmer necessarily is a better defensive tackle no, no, right, no, right now than no, Fabian? No, just the productivity, right. And he'll have one-on-one -on -one matchups. Yeah. I don't know how to quantify without seeing it on the football field. You could tell me that Keon leads the team in stats. Okay, sure. Or that Jaheim Bell is second on the team in catches. Sure. But a defensive coordinator's got to pick their poison, and therefore you're going to have one-on-one -on -one matchups. The great thing about this offense, at least in theory, we're going to see it more in practice this year, is it star player agnostic? You want to go to one on ones. It doesn't yeah. matter. Whoever if, the defense is trying to take away, you turn, you right. go to the. Yeah. Now, there may be a crunch time situation where you want to force the ball somewhere, but that's not really what this offense is about. It's mm -hmm. about finding matchups, creating multiple formations so you can have easy reads for your quarterback to say, okay, I love it. You're in one on one. I'm going to you. And that could be Jaheim Bell. It could be Keon Coleman. It could be Winston Wright. Who knows? But that's going to be the hard part this year is who is your best anything? I don't know. There are so many weapons, and it's so balanced. Go back to the bowl game against Oklahoma once we get the offense rolling. And Dan Orlovsky says, and he did a good job in that game, by the way, as a color analyst, 
he says, as they come to the line of scrimmage during that last drive, uh-oh, uh-oh, Wilson's in singles here. You've got to go. you got got to go deep here. I don't care what your play call is. You have to go deep here. We used to have guys like that. It was That was the deal. You're like, whoa, he's in singles? Throw it up. Throw it up. And I think you're going to hear that a lot in the stands, at home, on your couch, you know, whatever you're watching and wherever you're watching. There's going to be a moment where you're like, oh, well, okay, they're trying to take this way and this way. Well, okay, it's Jaheim Bell. Oh, run the ball. We got numbers. Run the ball. They're dead. You got two to block one. This is over. You know, you got – I mean, you could watch this offense be that kind of prolific where you line up and you're like, oh, this is a one-on-one for the slot? Oh, this is a one-on-one. So Vendravius is going to go nuts tonight? You know, there, there are lots right. of moments that you're going to recognize those opportunities. That's why I think in a 12-game slate, let's take garbage time out of it. So you could freeze the stats at halftime or the third quarter because there are going to be some blowouts now this year. Even at that point, before garbage time, I don't know that Johnny or Keon are always going to lead us in, in production, in receptions and yards and touchdowns. I mean, out of 12 games, I don't think it's a stretch to think that in five of those 12 games, right, right. it's either Jaheim or or it's Marquiston, or it's Vandravius, or Winston Wright, or, you know, Destin Hill, whoever it's going to be. I'm talking about catches and receiving yards. Just because of the matchups. You could have a shot play that goes for 65 or 70 yards, and that's Vandravius Jacobs. And he's got three catches, 92 yards. Freeze it. Now we're in garbage time. He was your most productive player that day with a touchdown, 92 yards. But it's all because people want to double Johnny. It's all because yeah. people want to double Keon or Jaheim Bell. That's what makes this offense so damn fun to think about, and I think that's the way it's going to play out on the field too. Man, if they <laughs> you – know, we and I could just go back and forth and talk about the endless ways in which you can attack defenses with the personnel that you have this year, given that your quarterback is what he is. So, in worst-case scenario, every time they're in man, just roll him out and tell him to take off. And he is – yes, that's correct. Yeah. And also, he's not afraid to give somebody a chance in one-on-ones. There oh, are yeah. quarterbacks who are averse to that. They like guys to be open before they throw it, and, and those are not the guys that you win championships with. No. But Jordan, even as he was emerging, even before he put it all together, he loved to go to one-on-ones. I mean, and he will give you a shot down the field. The best throw he had, the first good throw he had, outside the numbers and deep – and these, we've got a lot of dudes who can win those battles. That throw he made more consistent than any other throw in his repertoire without question, even when he wasn't a good quarterback yet. He could make that throw. He could drop that uh, you know, on a dime. He could drop that. To a Micah Pittman, and, to and, a Pokey Wilson, right, who right. don't exactly have you know, yeah. the, the catch radius no, no, of he a would Johnny dro- Wilson. Yeah, he would just drop that in there nicely, and then he developed the other stuff. Uh, all right, well, I lied. I, I said I was going to get to the NFL stuff. I'll have to do it next. See there? You can't trust me, guys. Cody, I'll get to you. I saw some other questions in here that I want to answer as well. We'll have fun with it. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV. I forgot to do that update that I do every day. 58 days until the start of college football. 58. It's Dan Hicks. 58 days, buddy. Remember Dan Hicks? Mm Mm-hmm. That was a good... Group of uh, two deep on at defensive end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't hear Dan Hicks brought up that much, but he's happy to hear you do that. He was in the rotation more after they left Brandon Jenkins in too long in the opener in 12. Got hurt. That was great. That was a toughie. Against a nobody in a blowout. Liz Franck injury. Or Liz Frank. Never yeah. got that straight. Missed him up. Messed him up. Me neither, but I never wanted to get it. I had bad feet situations, but you know, no, nothing like that. Jenkins, Von Stryker, Tank Carradine, and Dan Hicks. Man, oh man. 
Golly, you're right. Good old Von Stryker. My man, Von Stryker, who at least always acknowledged it, which I always appreciated it. The radio guy or man. The radio show made the Von Stryker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it for Florida State? Uh, 50, uh, is it 67 uh, days? Is that where we're at? 68 or 67, yeah. 67. It's 67? Oh, man. I, you're going to try to get me to come up with a number for 67. Who you got for 67? Start pulling up grade 67s. Yeah, there you go. I don't really remember. Keith any- Jones. Mm, 67? Uh, yeah, I don't have anybody, guys. You're going to have to forgive me of that. Um, no, I got nobody. It's a uh, dyslexic <laughs> Darius <laughs> Washington. It, it doesn't work. I don't. I can't think of anybody that was great at Florida State. I know I'm wrong. I know there's somebody that was. Ooh, I think I have a feeling you're going to be going back to like, like I don't know, like the '60s or the early late '70s, early '80s. Or did something. Uh, Bill Capice wear a '67? He did not. He did not. All right, let's go back to this. Enough of this. That's uh, <laughs> the end of it. So there was a question here about the concerns. Well, let me start with the NFL story because I'll forget to do it again. A handful of NFL players, including Indianapolis Colts cornerback and kick returner Isaiah Rogers, are expected to be suspended tomorrow uh, is what it's looking like. Some say it could come later today, so I'll be be watching this. But I'm wondering how many more names they have. The rumor is that this will be – these players – will be suspended for the season. And you would have to guess that, yes, that's what they're going to do. It, it is, if you violate the NFL's policy on gambling, I think you're going to get the book thrown at you. There's no way, other way to do it. He's part of, is Isaiah Rogers, a league-wide investigation into violations of that gambling policy, including possible bets placed on Colts games. If that's true, that could be life. Like, you're done. Well, yes, they threw the book at Calvin Ridley. That came out of nowhere. So this makes these guys' punishments extra ridiculous and stupid because Calvin Ridley was out there for everybody to know. That is a household name. He was a fantasy football stud. You had him in your dynasty league? I didn't. I don't have a dynasty league. I had him in my you fantasy were football. furious. Yes, I wasn't happy about it. So it was out there. The warning was out there. Here are the rules for – this is really what I wanted to get to. We'll see – you had – by the way, so you've had Williams suspended. Three others were suspended. Uh, that one sucked, by the way. I hated seeing that. Uh, but Jamison Williams for Detroit has been suspended. Mm-hmm. Um, the Tony kid, the defensive end. Jamison uh, Williams? Oh, no. Yeah. Everybody loves Jamison Williams. Yes, they do. That, he, that's hurtful. Yeah, he's not out for the year. He's out for like six games, I think I saw. But Kadarius yeah. Tony. Yeah. Oh, damn shame. Oh, no, not the Gator. I don't think it's him. Oh, okay. um, no, no. I think it's a different Tony. But let's go back to this before I slander somebody else who didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. Here you go. The six rules of the gambling policy that the league emphasizes, and every player knows this, and it is highlighted in any number of the meetings that they have and the literature that is sent out to players and coaches and People that work for, you know, front offices, you name it. This is always a big one, and it's pretty easy. Here's number one, the number one rule. Don't bet on the NFL. Now, you can just stop there. All the rest of the rules, 
really don't matter. You can just stop with number one. Don't bet on the NFL. Is This is how it reads in the rule book. Don't bet on the NFL. That about sums it up. In case that wasn't abundantly clear, Tom. What about the playoffs? <laughs> the next rule is don't gamble at your team facility while traveling for a road game or staying at a team hotel. Why is that the second rule? That's <laughs> Well, that's for card games. That's what they're talking about, I'm I'm guessing. I guess. Which is BS. I mean, I don't think they're really trying to enforce that. Don't gamble at your team facility while traveling for a road game or staying at a team hotel. They're talking about charter jet yeah, card games. Man, that's, nobody cares about that. It's the number one. We're going to always go back to number one. Don't bet on the NFL. Number three, you can't have somebody else bet for you on the NFL. That's the same as betting on the NFL. I'm the starting right guard for the Bucks. Tom Lang, will you place this $10,000 on us to cover this weekend? Yeah, or no. I didn't bet on it. Tom did. Yeah, for our opponent <laughs> to cover. Right. Number four, don't share team inside information. That's the one I think they really worry about, and it's really hard to enforce yep. because, man – your high school friends with a guy that plays in the league. Oh, I've got buddies that played in the league. I mean, yeah. it's pretty easy. You're having a guy. How you doing? Everybody all right? Let's start running back doing this weekend. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> four or five guys I knew from high school played right? in the league. Yeah. Now, I never talked to them post-college. But no, but it would be that. I mean, it's not, not hard there to just be like, how you guys feeling this weekend? Doing pretty, <laughs> feeling like, pretty good about Teddy, the roadie to Minnesota? Teddy, you think you're playing this weekend? Because <laughs> I would fade the bucks. <laughs> yeah. Are you having a start, Teddy? Are we that bad off? Um, number five, don't enter a sports book during the NFL playing season. So, hey, that's kind of cool. Off season, get after it. Yeah. Yep. And number six, don't play daily fantasy football. So, for all the people that you know do all the prop bets and all those things like that in the but fantasy, you can play you regular fantasy football. Yeah, you can't play. You just daily can't play fantasy. DFS. Yeah. So that's where we're at with that. But I would imagine anybody getting caught doing number one betting on the NFL. That's a year with the caveat if it's if we catch you ever again, you're out of the league forever, and that's the end of that. I mean So I wonder what the six game suspensions were for. Was it DFS action? I'm gonna guess walking either. into a sports book in December? Like, come on. Yeah, I'm gonna guess that's DFS. I mean, it couldn't have been betting on their own team or what no, I would think that that's daily fantasy. We'll find out tomorrow or by late tonight, depending. But that's a serious thing. And and listen, and again, I, I wonder how frivolously are you wagering on 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 the NFL if you're in the league that you got caught? I, I mean that it's come on, that's an easy thing. Like I'm not saying people would do that or should do that. Think about this. You, me, or even heavy hitters, like real heavy hitters that gamble for a living. It's what they do. They move to Vegas and they they are professional gamblers. Okay, some, very few, make a ton of money. Most do not. It is a hard way to make a living. Not saying you can't have good years, but if you're relying on sports gambling to make a living year in and year out, boy, that's that's tough on the Constitution. That's difficult. If you are a professional football player, a starter in the NFL, you're making, in most cases, 99.9% of the time, a lot more money than anybody who's gambling on the game is going to make. Your annual salary or the length of your contract and the amount of guaranteed money guys are getting today, 
20, 30, 40 million if you're a good player? Come on, man. There's no reason for you to do it. What are you going to win $1,000 on your daily fantasy football? What are you doing? It's, it's just stupid. It's not the same as like me having inside information from a guy who then I can turn around and turn that into some sort of like seriously impactful financial gain for yeah. me and my family. Yeah, you're talking about, you know, Joe Blow on the street. Yeah. Who makes. You know, you know I makes mean, sixty grand a year, and all of yep. a sudden he makes thirty thousand dollars on a bet. Yeah, Ooh. that's a big damn day at the office. Yeah, but for the dude that starts for the Jets, it ain't nothing. Which is why Uncle Buck was such a hero because <laughs> he turned down going to the track, even though it was going to make his year. Uh, all right, so back to this for uh, the questions and the thing about the but make you guys feel better about recruiting. I'm not all that worried. Uh, I saw Mike, did, did you write that? No, Cody wrote it. Jeff, please give me some hope on the recruiting front. I think FSU fans worry if we don't have a good class before the season starts and we start with a loss or two, we'll be back to square one. Well, I don't think we're going back to square one because I think even if they lose both the biggest games that you're referencing, they're going to still go on to win 10. They're not getting back buried at five and seven. They're not about to stumble all over themselves and go six and six. You got a bigger problem than recruiting if my man goes out here and goes six and six. We're going to start talking about whether or not he's a good coach. Because with this group, it'd be hard to do. Yeah, I I would agree with the sentiment that the concerns, and I've said this a million times now, talk about the echo chamber before uh, we get to the July 4th holiday. But if there is no real movement before camp starts, I start to get a little worried, but we got we got some time now. We got about five weeks before camp starts, give or take. But for right now, I wouldn't panic yet. Just plan your barbecue. Enjoy the holiday. And there might be some fireworks around the holiday, and that's I great. I think they're going to get some names come out and say yes to Florida State verbal commits uh, over the holiday. Uh, I, I don't know that that's going to quell everybody's fear. They feel like we should be recruiting consistently better right now than we are uh, given the season and the momentum Florida State had and has. But I would say that, in, and this is, again, the, back to the repeated conversation that we've had here. Look, I do think there are some guys on here not renowned on the staff that are not renowned for the recruiting prowess. And so we're going to look at them with a jaundice eye until they prove otherwise. There was a reason we all had Ron Dugans in deep trouble. He was not getting the job done, and it was fair to criticize him. We were at a breaking point with one of our own, whom we loved. And we didn't want to have to fire. But, you know, this ain't about feelings, baby. We're trying to win some games. So either you smoke or get smoked. And if you get to where we have to let you go, then that's what it's going to be. I see that more on the defensive staff than I do the offensive staff. I love Alex. I think Mike's a good recruiter. Ron has turned it around. So we're good, man. We've got backs galore. We've got tight ends now, so Chris Thompson's not a dynamic recruiter, but we've got three really good tight ends, so I'm going to leave it be. Now, again, defensively, we'll see if Randy can do it. We'll see if Adam can do it. We'll see. Papucha's lost some high-profile battles lately. I still think he's a good recruiter. We'll yeah. see. He's Lamont he, Green was not nothing. So, yeah, he, but I, I need a, somebody who looks more a little bit more ready to play. Uh, but, look – there's reason to keep two fingers to my eyes, two fingers back to you with those guys. I'm doing the same. I'm not losing sleep over it right now, but I am doing the same. I'm like, okay, guys. Well, the other thing is, look, the season is going to recruit for you whether or not you're a stone-cold killer or not. You know, There's the new car smell, and we never got that. No. So you can benefit from being the new coach in town, and you're setting a new standard, and that's all fun, and it sounds sexy, 
and that may want to make you from a high school come to Florida State. We didn't get the benefit of doing that. But once you're established as a coach, Mm -hmm. I mean, you still need to win if you're at Georgia or you're at Alabama Uh, or Ohio State in order to maintain classes that are where they are, which is top three, top five annually. Let's let the season do a little recruiting for us too. You know, it's not illegal to let that happen. They're getting better. We have tales, individuals on staff, namely Ron Dugans, of turnarounds. Once it's proven, then it gets contagious. So I think the season can do something for us, but we do need to see something in the next five weeks, and we're going to. We're going to see something before camp starts. I know we are. Well, we will. Will it be enough? And, you know, I don't know what that threshold is. Is it the sec, you know, seventh-ranked class in the country? Is it the fifth-ranked? Is it the ninth-ranked? I think it's always about meeting needs. I mean, yeah. you get some guys that you really need. Defensive end, linebacker, deep, you know. Depends on safety. the fans' mood that day or whether or not they're optimistic <laughs> or pessimistic by nature, too. I think that's part of it. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, but winning certainly solves most problems. And, again, you you can get a yes right now. Doesn't do you any good unless you get them signed on the line, which is dotted. Hour number two forthcoming. Stay with